you have to be mindful that people have their own way of growing in a sense and um sometimes you won't see growth immediately but if i see the student working i i see that as growth Mm -hmm. maybe i don't see it in the technique but i see it mentally like they're taking those critiques and i've been working on allowing people to grow at their own pace not at a set rate because when you're an educator especially in the public settings you've been structured on testing that's how they show your growth and that's not necessarily how anyone should be scored as a human being. You should be allowed to grow at your own pace. Erica Red Stowall is a dancer, choreographer, and teacher based in the city of Detroit. She's trained in African, Caribbean, ballet, and contemporary dance, each one an integral piece of her dance style. She's also the founder of Big Red Wall Dance Company. On this episode, new voices will grace the mic. As part of our organization's goals, we have been working with our youth to expose them to media and communications to develop their ability to express their artistic voice. Kaylee Powell and Gabrielle Rayford interview Erica Stowall. So can you tell us a little about your background? What drew you to dancing and what made you decide to spend your life doing it? My life. I started dance at the age of four. Um, there was a recreation recreation center around the corner from my house. I think most of the recreation recreation centers are no longer around, so that's a new thing. Probably you guys don't know much about those. Um, but there was one around my neighborhood, and it was a guy there teaching Congolese. Um, my mom got sick of me jumping around her house. I was a very hyper child. So she threw me immediately into dance to kind of, I think, to simmer me down a little bit. But it grew into a passion all through my education throughout Detroit public schools. They had the art programs. And I always was more drawn to dance and vocal. After some time, dance just pretty much took over my life. Um, I was dancing about eight, 10 hours a week, rehearsals, competitions, studios, um, classes within the school as well. And then about 16, I made the decision to pursue it full time. So what are some of your favorite styles to dance? I do love West African movement. It's the first thing I was introduced to later on modern. Um, Ballet is my least favorite, but I know it's a foundation and it keeps me with a strong technique base. I'm recently getting more into Dunham, very difficult technique. I popped in and out of it as a child. I never solely was trained and practiced the Dunham technique, but I've been taking classes here and there, really getting into the culture, and it's becoming one of my top three as well. I agree. I remember I took Dunham, it was hard. I couldn't get the technique, but I'm like more of the opposite. Like I like ballet more than like African contemporary. But what are your favorite styles to teach? This word has been coined by someone else, but called Afrofusion and floor work. Um, Afrofusion is just a mixture of modern African dance, but modern has a deep root in West African movement. So I would say I do more of a postmodern based modern technique and um, would have built in a lot of floor work and a lot of grounded movement mixed in with West African dance that I've been studying over the years. What high school did you go to? King High School. I was a crusader. Did you dance in high school? I did. I danced in high school. I danced with um, Deborah Kirkland. She retired about 10, 15 years ago. What type of dance did you do? 
Deborah was a modern, classical modern teacher. So Horton, um, Dunham, things of that nature. So I like modern. Do modern. You do modern. What school are you at right now? Cass. Cass. And do you um, study other Miss Austin? Yes. Right. Well, you all know I do teach in a public setting, so I do know these people. Miss Austin and I actually went to college together. So yes, and you're at. I don't dance at school, but I go to school at Canyon Prep. Oh, okay. I don't know who's over there. I don't think you have a. They dance don't have anymore. a dance. No, but so you're more of a studio kid. Mm-hmm. And where do you see? Where do you study? I study here. I used to study at Dance Motion Explosion though, and it was like more ballet. Lyrical contemporary. It was kind of those stuff. Oh, okay. So, name three strengths and three weaknesses as a dance teacher. <laughs> um, weaknesses are patience. I've never had patience. That's my mom will tell you. I'm a very impatient person, but I'm always late. So, it's like, <laughs> doesn't make sense. They contradict each other. I want people to be patient with me getting there on time but I have no patience for other people um another weakness is um allowing students to grow at their own pace you have to be mindful that people have their own way of growing in a sense if I see the student working I I see that as growth Mm -hmm. maybe I don't see it in the technique but I see it mentally like they're taking those critiques and I've been working on allowing people to grow at their own pace not at a set rate because when you're an educator especially in the public settings you've been structured on testing that's how they show your growth and that's not necessarily how anyone should be scored as a human being, you should be allowed to grow at your own pace, even in the arts or academia. Um, so allowing people to grow, patience, and sometimes I believe I'm too lenient. Mm-hmm. My um, strengths are that I'm able to see talent. Mm-hmm. I will say that I'm an abstract choreographer, but when I'm teaching, I'm very much sound in the technique. And I can tell when a student has it and when a student's developing. And like I said, it's not always within the art that they're developing. It could be mentally, because I know I'm not teaching the next Misty Copeland or the mm-hmm. next Judith Jameson. I'm not even having that mindset that all my students will go out and flourish in the arts. But I want to make sure they flourish in life and use those techniques that I give them in the dance class to be, you know, stronger, able adults. Cause no one teaches you how to be an adult and it's hard. Um, also one of my um, strengths is c- compassion. Sometimes in the art, people are not compassionate, yeah. especially in the dance world. Brown girls are a little bit curvier than other dancers, and we don't get that rep- representation that we have curves, and sometimes you develop earlier than your counterparts, other races, and that seems as chunky or fat. And the dance world is still very much cast-oriented. Yeah. They're typecast very strongly. They want a particular body type. They want a particular complexion. They want a particular height. All those things are still there, and you ignore the growth in somebody. Mm-hmm. So I personally don't care what your body type is, what's sticking out a little further than the other person, but it's your ability to perform and your passion for it. And I think another um, strength is making people think outside the box. The art industry is constantly changing. What was trendy 10 years ago doesn't even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And what was, you know, 
something that people was really gravitating to, they'd think, oh, that's so, that's been done already. I've seen so much of that. So now you have to make sure that you're teaching people to stand on their own and think outside the box and not just follow like a sheep. So I think those are my strengths. When choreographing a dance, what is the key to success? Like, there is no key to success. The thing is, when you choreograph a dance, have fun. You really should enjoy what you're doing. If it becomes a job, then it's not gonna be, you're never gonna love it. I've had people constantly change a dance over and over and over again because they were never satisfied because they were either being pushed to a timeline, they took a job they weren't really interested in because of financial needs, and they come up short for them. You might think this is the greatest piece ever. For instance, Alvin Ailey Revelations is one of the most renowned, popular mm -hmm. pieces. It's not yeah. one of his favorites. And he struggled with it for many years because it was a pull between his life growing up in the South as a, a Christian man and also being a homosexual. But I believe that he wanted to work out those mindsets of his own in that work. But everyone just gravitated to it, loved it. It was set in stone. And it's an amazing piece. It mm. really is. But you as the choreographer or the artist, you have to love your piece as well. You're not going to love everyone. That is true. But you should at least know what you want when you're presenting your work and what you want people to take away from it. And sometimes what happens with the audience is they'll give you more insight into your work than you actually see. So just enjoy it. There is no groundwork. I can't tell you, you need a beginning, you need a middle, you need an end. Make sure the beginning is just as strong as the end. Those are naturally true. You want to make sure people come to the work and remember those parts. But you also want to make sure you leave happy. Someone comes up to you later and it's like, it's the worst piece I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. You can still keep your head up high. And it's like, I was thoroughly excited and I enjoyed every moment of it. Mm -hmm. So just enjoying the work. And I think your happiness will show through. Are there any specific stories you put behind your pieces? Um, so a lot of times I, my work is what I call a performance storytelling. And a lot of times I go out and I interview people to hear their history behind the idea or I take from the, my real life experiences. Mm -hmm. For instance, I have a work called The Safe Space. It's about women and cat calling and in society being over-sexualized as a woman mm -hmm. of color, just on a regular basis, walking out, just out in public. Yeah. You go into the supermarket and someone's like, Hey, baby. And I mean, no one says that anymore, but you know, it's a common narrative that a lot of women deal with just going through their regular basis, being told to smile. So I take a lot of real life experiences and put into my work because I want to be connected with my audience and mm -hmm. I want them to take a part of themselves with them when they see my work, like they can connect themselves to the work in a sense. So, so is dance your only passion? And if so, why? And if not, what else are you passionate about? I think I'm also passionate about social justice, mm -hmm. um, African-American stories, because um, they're, not, they're not always t told truthfully. We always hear another side of it, or we're um, being victimized, or we're played as the aggressor. I also enjoy just outside of the art world, um, reading. It's one of my favorite mm -hmm. pastimes that I'm actually making a plan to get back into. 
I also love sleeping because I don't do enough of it. And you should rest. Rest is the key to success, not overworking yourself. So sleeping, dance, reading, and social justice. Is it easy coming up with your own choreography? No, it's always difficult. And I'm always wanting to change something. I'm very nitpicky (laughs) about the work (laughs) that I do. And I'm also always trying to make sure that... I'm pushing myself. I'm my hardest critic. And I'm always trying to make sure I'm expanding myself and I'm deconstructing my aesthetic and putting it back together and molding it into something else. So no, never. I wish it was because I love doing it. So what has been your biggest accomplishment in dance overall? I won the Krusky in 2016, and that was the biggest one because that was the biggest check. (laughs) Um, But honestly, starting my own company and having it sustain itself for the last 10 years has been awesome. Um, You know, with each job, you have your ups and downs, people coming and going. But we have been putting on shows and doing a decent job of that for many years. And I'm starting to see my work live on in other people and other people and tell my story. That's super exciting. So about your company, what made you decide to have one or make one? I knew I was not a good follower. Mm. Never been a good follower. And you have to be that to be in a company. It's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's not it's not a good trait of mine. Mm. I don't like authority probably why I'm an artist and I don't like to follow trends um so it started off as I'm gonna go to New York I'm gonna be this fabulous five foot two dancer you couldn't tell me anything and I was gonna join a dance company I knew I wasn't gonna be Ailey bound like they Mm -hmm. really push black girls to be but I knew I wanted to do that life comes around and kicks you in the butt and I ended up staying in Michigan Mm -hmm. what happened was I got really involved in teaching and I wasn't satisfied. I miss setting work on adults. It's a different idea to set work on mature people. So I started this slowly but surely, meeting up with some close friends that were also dancers. Mm-hmm. We all ended up in staying in Michigan and just setting works. And then eventually I was like, this is what I wanna do and I wanna make sure I put my name on it. And so I started my company. So what ages do you teach? Um, Right now, third through eighth grade. So that would make them eight to 15. Did you go to college? I did. I went to University of Michigan. Go blue. You danced? I danced there. I got my BFA there. Yes. So is it easy teaching like your style and movement to your students? Like teaching it, like is it hard, easy? It's difficult. Um, they're not used to it. It's not a classical trained element. It has very abstract components to it. So it's not difficult for them to grasp. It just takes them a long time. So it just takes a minute to focus and understand it. It's very fluid. It's very grounded. It has a lot of arms and a lot of head gestures and things of that nature. So again, it's not that they can't get it or that it's difficult. It's just grasping the aesthetic and then implementing it. it takes a little bit longer and it should whenever you learn from a new person it take you a minute to fully get involved into their movement 
So as an ensemble, we're actually making our own choreography dance. So do you have like any tips or things we should know as we're making our dance? One thing that I make sure I do is I set work to no music. Okay. I do that so the music doesn't take away from my aesthetic. And I also do that so I'm not forced to follow the sound. A lot of times the music can overpower you and make you travel in that direction. Um, I don't know if that makes sense in a, in a way, but I like to set works to silence first and then mm-hmm. play around with music that I feel like fits the movement instead of finding a song and trying to fit the movement to the, the mm-hmm. other way around. I messed that up a little bit, but trying to find a song that fit the choreography to the music. I'd rather the music fit to the choreography. So that's one thing I do. Another thing I do is I'll I'll set like four eight counts or something, and then I'll deconstruct it, which means I'll completely rip it apart and then put it back together. I might do it in reverse, which is retrograde, or I might um, take the ending, put it in the beginning, take the beginning, mm. put it in the middle. It's completely deconstructed. Make the standing section, the floor section, and see what happens with that. Um, and I also allow myself to make mistakes and not feel bad if I'm unsatisfied with a section mm-hmm. to know that I can always fix it and go back. Cause it may look amazing on me and then I set it on someone else and it's not exactly the way I want it. So I always give my um, artists time to get used to the work. And then I, I tell them, make it your own, figure out how you would do this. If this arm flying up in the air on count eight it's not for you and you want it up on five, just, you know, like you would prove any theory, prove me prove me wrong, and I don't mind that. If it needs to go up on five and you show it to me in a different way, I'm very much happy to change it to suit you as the artist as well. <coughs> Have you ever danced in front of an audience by yourself? Yes, I do a lot of solo work because it's easy and I don't have to work around people's schedules. So yeah, <laughs> all the time, yes. Like where? Anywhere that will have me perform. Um, Lately, I have not done much solo work like I usually like to. I took a break last year. So unfortunately, the company does not make money. It makes enough money to sustain. So I'm not making an income from it. So it is all love. So, (laughs) So usually I'll tour a solo piece around... Around the states, I performed in Ohio, I performed in North Carolina, New York, California, doing um, a solo piece. One in particular is called Pedestal, and it's just about how we hold women to a higher standard than men, socially and culturally. So, um, yeah, I prefer to do solo pieces for the simple fact that I don't have to work around people's scheduling. I love collaborating and working with people. But the easiest process when you're dealing with working artists is solo work. What were some experiences you had at Summer Intenses? For example, your experience at Alvin Ailey? I didn't go to Alvin Ailey Summer Intensive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, did you go to any in your I've been to a couple of um, intensives. A lot of time, my experience at those intensive was me being a minority and I didn't enjoy them very much. I probably would have enjoyed like an Alvin Ailey mm-hmm. intensive, but I never went to an all black inclusive intensive. Um, they usually were a mixture 
of non-blacks and I always look, felt like a little outsider and I would get weird comments about my hair and things of that nature and I just didn't feel completely welcome. And I used, and because I was dark skinned in a sea of white, I stood out and I kind of always felt a little picked on. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if it was like that. It could have been a subconscious thing because I felt uninvited into the space, but it could have been honestly, truthfully, I remember going to one intensive and um, a common thing that young black girls do is cross their arms. And I hear all the time it's a very defensive move to do, but it's something we all do. And I remember this guy yelled at me for having my arms crossed in um, a class and told me to put my hands down and that um, it was disrespectful. And that if he saw me do it again, he would kick me out of class. Mind Mm -hmm. you, I'm like 14. And I didn't even know I was doing it. Not to say, hey, you know, when you cross your arms, it looks defensive, like you're not paying attention. And also, he didn't know that I wore glasses. Mm -hmm. So I had my hands crossed and I was squinting to see him move. And I guess it looked like I had an attitude, but I was just squinting because I'm blind. (laughs) Yeah, like when when I first got to school, Miss Austin, like, I had my arms crossed like this. I was like, this, she was like, don't do that. That's disrespectful. A like, lot wow. of people will tell you it's disrespectful. And it's a defensive mechanism is what it really is. When you cross your arms, you're protecting what? Your heart. So you're protecting yourself. It's a, it's an easy defensive mechanism when you're in an uncomfortable situation. We all naturally do it. Everyone does it. Um, for some reason, when black girls do it, I've noticed it seems extremely disrespectful because I've seen white girls do it and not get the same reaction. Honestly, I've been in those situations and not seen the same reaction. Um, I do think you should be present and open in the classroom and not have your hands crossed. But like I said, it's something you probably learn from your mother because that's how we learn our gestures and our social cues from my parents. And those things are not easy to break, especially when you constantly see it in and now you're performing them as well. You're seeing this behavior and you're performing this behavior. So you do it. And um, again, I, w- I felt like an outsider because I was one of maybe three other African-Americans there. And then I did feel like I was constantly getting these critiques. And I feel like and I feel like they were trying to help me. Like, oh, you're always going to be a little bit of an outsider. So this is how you need to make sure you're more opening and welcome. Because black women get this um, stereotype that we're angry and mad all the time anyway. We just got swag. That's all that is. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Culture Cipher podcast by Heritage Works. This activity is supported in part by the McGregor Fund, the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan, the Michigan Council for Arts and Cultural Affairs, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Additional support is provided by the Kresge Foundation and the Fred and Barbara Erb Family Foundation. To learn more about Heritage Works and the work we do in the community, visit heritageworks.org.